All right. Hello and welcome to the Florida Peanut Podcast Episode 2, which we are now in January of 2022. Uh, Again, I'm Noah Walker, uh, and this is Laura Fowler-Goss of the Florida Peanut Federation. Um, in our first episode, we introduced what this podcast was for and, you know, who it was for and what are some of the things that uh, we can look forward to having on this podcast. And today uh, we have a special guest, uh, Mr. Ben Broughton, who's joining us via the telephone. Um, he is the research coordinator and farm manager at the North Florida Research Facility for UF IFAS. Uh, we're super excited to have him. He's a uh, wealth of knowledge. Um, and uh, Ben has a big job out there. I mean, there's researchers and research students in and out all the time, a full farm staff. Um, what they do is quite incredible, and, and peanuts is just a part of it. But Ben's an expert in, in the knowledge of peanuts, and we're real thankful to have him. Yeah, let me let me ask you, Ben, uh, real fast. Can you give us a um, you know, brief uh, of what the uh, North Florida Research Facility is for UFI Fist Extension for those that wouldn't know? Sure, ab- absolutely, and good morning to you all. Um, so the North Florida Research and Education Center is one of the 13 or 14 or so um, research and education centers that are operated by the University of Florida, which is IFAS. And our mission there at the research center is to support our clientele. Um, and for our area, that means our clientele is our farmers, our local community, and our stakeholders. So if you take it just a snapshot of what happens out at the research center on a day-to-day basis, we conduct field trials. Um, on almost any crop that you can think of that may be grown in this area. We do testing on new crops that could be grown here. Um, so a lot of intricate type research work um, focused on randomized and replicated plots, um, but you'll also see a heavy extension component to our research center as well. So we do a lot of outreach activities um, such as field days and workshops and community events and things like that. So um, it's a very busy research center and there's always something going on almost all year long. It's a robust operation out there. It's quite impressive. And they're also generous enough to host a lot of events. So we're thankful to get to go out there um, pretty often. And they're always welcoming and and very professional, yet uh, help folks like me with layman's terms when we talk about the research that goes on out there. So I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan, Ben. Yeah, awesome. And so from to summarize that, Ben, it sounds like you guys do a lot of good community education, hands-on community education, but you also do some very um, valuable research uh, in food production and um, plant production uh, that helps humanity overall. Is that is that a good summary? That, that is a perfect summary. I mean, I would say that is at the core of our mission at the Research and Education Center, you know, is, is to is to figure out the research piece of it and then transfer that research out to the community. You know, so that's that's where it's going to be most beneficial at us once we can get the research into the hands of our stakeholders, our farmers, and our community. And Ben, we're going to talk about some of the things farmers are doing here early on in the year, but to, to transition that, Dr. Barry Tillman has an incredible incredible seed research program. He is the peanut breeder of Florida and and highly regarded across the nation. Can you speak to how many hundreds of of seeds that Dr. Tillman plants there at the Live Oak Research Center? I can. Um, Dr. Tillman is is one of our largest, what we call breeders that do work at the research center. So there for probably over 10, 10 years or so, um, and I'm not even going to take a guess at how many different lines or varieties of seed that he has, but I know that we put in 
close to a thousand plots for Dr. Tillman every year. So when we talk about a plot, you know, that's uh, 15 foot long by two rows. So I would say he's probably got quite a bit of different varieties of seed that are going into those plots. That's incredible. Yeah, so that's just a, a tiny little peanut breeding research segment that's happening out there amongst everything else. Um, so so now let's jump into what yeah. what farmers are doing this time of the year. I I, I wondered, um, you know, are they all still in the hut woods or are they actually going to work here to start the new year? Yeah, I mean, I would say that most of the time of the year, are probably doing a little bit of hunting in the first part of January. Uh, I, I know that we're kind of wrapping up the end of the season here in North Florida. Um, so I would imagine that you're probably going to be hard to find them doing too in a deer stand the first few weeks of January. <laughs> the, uh, so from a consumer standpoint, so I'm, I'm not a farmer. Um, I, I love to, uh, to, to watch farming. I think it's very fascinating, uh, very fascinated with the industry. But uh, from an outsider's point of view, from a consumer's point of view, um, I know that uh, Florida peanuts in this area are harvested between, say, the end of July and October. Um, here we are in January. What does that peanut year look like? When do people start planting? Um, obviously, they, that's their harvest window, but when, when are people, um, when are the farmers planting and what does that year look like for them? Yeah, so I would say, I mean, this, uh, this, this part of the year here in January, um, they're probably thinking about, you know, uh, which, which crops am I going to plant this year? Yeah, that, that's always the always the hard part i would imagine that quite a bit of them probably already have their mind made up you know which crops that they are going to plant um i would guess that a lot of them are probably doing a lot of field preparation work um, i know we have quite a few peanut farmers that also grow watermelons um so they're probably doing some fumigation getting some ground ready to lay some plastic um i would say that there's some growers probably trying to lock in some seed um you're just trying to do the the, the early stages of planting you know, the things that they can get out of the way before we go into the planting season, which in our area, you know, it could be as early as late March um, to the to the southern end of our planting area here in North Florida. Um, and then that probably would continue all the way through June up, up in the northern end. So just kind of getting things ready, getting things settled, getting their, getting their ground ready, um, maybe planting some cover crops, uh, probably planting some lime, things like that. So Ben, when I think of a year, it feels, um, it feels like a long period of time, but can you share with us some of the rotations? Because these farmers are planning not only for this year, uh, but for their field rotations for two, three, five years out. Um, so basically, basically their, their fields and their crops are, are somewhat at least laid out, but I suppose that could depend on weather conditions and market conditions and the cost of things if they change that or, or take variety from, from, you know, what's their standard rotation. That's right. Yeah, it, it's, it's always tricky every year. Um, there's a lot of factors that, 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 that play into what a farmer's going to plant this season. Um, and I would say now more so than ever, farmers have to be really fluid, you know, as much as they can to adjust for, let's say, weather or their input prices, you know, you're in, um, you know, we're looking at some fertilizer prices, so that, that may discourage some things like corn. Um, so just being fluid, being able to kind of adapt to what the market's doing, you know, the market is the driver for all these crops. Um, you know, I would say that we have quite a few growers that, that have a pretty good 
idea, you know, what their rotation crops are going to be. You know, mm-hmm. corn is a is a big rotation crop with peanuts here. Um, and even though, you know, corn may be hard to pencil out sometimes as far as making a profit, it still serves as a valuable resource as a rotation crop. Um, so being able to rotate ground, you know, be fluid, you know, things like that are really going to help help the farmer in the long run. But I would say that you're you're probably fairly accurate. You know, most of the farmers have a, you know, let's say a two, three, four year plan. That, that seems extreme, doesn't it? No, no like, it seems, it seems, when I think of a five year life plan, that's overwhelming. It seems extremely <laughs> responsible. <isn't it? laughs> and there's a lot of institutions that could not can to follow take up lightly, and that that's why farmers can't <laughs> jump in and out. I mean, right. not only with the investments, but but also with the planning. Um, so Ben, let, let's go on. There, there's the financial situation they're planning for. Maybe they're um, reviewing some of their finances and, and getting some money and some loans and some payments in order for the coming year. Um, that budget is huge, especially with those inputs. We want to talk about seed and how they choose their seed, um, where it comes from and that sort of thing. But then to follow up with that, those inputs are just so weighty. Um, how many of those things can be planned for initially? And it, are there contingency levels, or is it just kind of a hail mary when the time comes? <laughs> yes, I mean, um, most of the growers are, are are probably trying to figure out, you know, what type of contract that may be out there, you know, for the upcoming season. You know, that that's probably going to play a role in a lot of the decisions. Um, you know, I would say that there's there's a choice now that can be made, you know, do I plant a high leg versus a non high leg? You know, so are we, are we talking about, are we going with an A6G uh, or a 09B or something like that? So those are some of the decisions that they can probably start trying to make, you know, but of course it all, it all goes back to the contract price. Um, yeah. I think most growers know what planting equipment that they have. So they, so they know what row spacing that they're probably going to need. They may have a good idea of how many acres that they're probably going to plant. So being, being able to kind of go ahead and, you know, source that seed, maybe get a price on what the seed costs are going to be. You know, things like that are probably are, are, is what's weighing on the mind of some of those farmers as they're trying to figure out, you know, how many acres of peanuts am I going to plant this year? You know, what's the type of seed that I need to plant? What's the contract price is going to be, you know, for a higher leg versus a non-higher leg? So those Let are kind me of ask you things a few questions right here. Um, if a farmer has 500 or 5,000 acres, you know, more or less, do they generally plant the same seed across across, or do they vary the seed a little bit? And and that seems as it could be pretty cumbersome or else a real a real big decision. Can you speak to that for a moment? Um, well, I guess what I can say to that is that every farmer is different. And I would say that the that the range of options are gonna be very wide. I mean, I I know several growers that are only locked into type of seed and that's all they feel confident in planting i know growers that like to spread it across the board so they'll have multiple varieties of seed that they like to plant so i think it goes back to the farmer and what he feels comfortable with and again you know what type of price can he get for a certain variety of seed but i would say that the range is all across the board wow wow that makes sense now somebody told me one time um a farmer here in north florida he said that if you plant a seed that is local to the field where it will be grown, you'll have better success. Is that something that you've heard or, or something that's proven to be true? 
Um, I don't know if there's a lot of science out there to back that up, but I would say that it does make sense. I mean, I would I would prefer a seed that's probably grown in the same climate that I plan on growing. You know, um, because that seed has been grown in the same climate, you know, it should be fairly adaptable or have, have seen the type of weather patterns and the environment that it's going to be in. So I would definitely feel a little bit more comfortable planting a seed that has grown in the same environment that I plan on planting that seed in. That makes sense. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So apart from the seed, um, and, and that is uh, not a small investment in and of itself, but, but then um, inputs throughout the year, is there a bigger initial cost or are there some real specific strategies for managing those inputs? And can you just name off the list of likely what they will be throughout the year? Yeah, so a lot of the inputs into a peanut crop and, you know, I, I would say that probably the most expensive input in uh, in a peanut crop is is going to be your fungicides. You know, so trying you know trying to figure out what type of diseases do we anticipate that we're going to have. You know, and from a science standpoint, we can we can have an idea about what we may have, but of course the weather is, is really going to dictate you know what type of diseases are going to be really prevalent. Um, you will see some of those in you know like in the field history. You know, so so mm -hmm. if you have disease pressure, certain diseases in a field, you know, you may be more likely to have those and you can kind of anticipate, well, maybe I may have a problem in this field in the upcoming season. But I would say as far as the inputs go, you know, your your fungicides are going to be probably your primary driver in peanut production. Of course, we have things like fuel, you know, in our irrigation and some of those other things. But I would say when I think about peanuts, I'm, I'm really focused on fungicides. Got it. Got it. Let me ask you. Let me ask you a follow up to that, Ben, if you don't mind. Um, where Where would uh, somebody find resources to know um, to get information on on the field diseases? Sure. So at at the University of Florida, we um we have quite a few specialists that actually do a lot of work on um on peanut diseases and fungicide programs. Um, so I would say that you can start with your local county agent. So every county in the state of Florida has has a county agent. We're fortunate in the part in, in the north part of the state that we have a lot of agents that are fairly familiar with row crops. So just being able to have that resource to reach out to your county agent. Um, and then that county agent can put you in touch with a regional specialized agent or we can carry it on to a specialist that actually do, that does some of that research work. So there's quite a bit of resources in the the University of Florida network. Um, we're really good friends with our neighbors to the, to the north, um, the University of Georgia. So we also have a lot of resources there. Um, so there's quite a bit of resources to help our local growers just through the University of Florida. We're so thankful for literally the extension from the university out to the farmers. Um, and as we have new agents come on board, uh, my hope is to introduce them um, and, and give you know their level of expertise and and um, be be able to share that um, right off the bat. And we have some new extension staff that's come on at a higher level, um, and we want to get those guys on the podcast soon. But something that I was just thinking of is um, the crop advisors and and how that farmer works with the crop advisor with the partners that are the suppliers and vendors along with the extension staff. Most of those seem to be either new relationships or very old tight-knit relationships. Can you tell us about the inner workings of those? Yeah, so I would say that um, a lot of our larger growers in 
this area have um, have a consultant. Um, so if we look at some of the larger growers, um, you know, there's just a handful of consultants that we have here. Um, I can think of a few just off the top of my head, but a, a consultant plays a, a very critical role in working with these farmers, just being the eyes in the field. And then if they do see something that they're not sure about, then they can reach out to our, let's say, our regional extension agents or our county agents, you know, to kind of help them solve a problem that, that they may see. So a, a consultant is very, very valuable to a farmer. You know, he's the one that actually puts a lot of eyes in the field. Sometimes it's hard for a farmer to make it around all those fields because, as we all know, they, they have a lot going on. So a consultant is very critical, and just having the relationships between the consultants and, let's say, the extension agents and the farmer is a really valuable resource between all of the parties involved. So I would say that that's, that's a very important, strong relationship that every farmer and consultant and extension agent probably needs, needs to have. Sounds like a dinner to me. It sounds like we need a, a bi-monthly dinner um, to keep that connection real friendly with everybody. But I would be remiss if I didn't say that Florida Peanut Federation sponsors and contributes to a lot of the research programs. There's a couple of fungicide trials that immediately come to mind, as well as the seed research that we've discussed a little bit. And when there is something that is ready to go out to the farmers, we want to be sure and get that information as thoroughly, as quickly, as efficiently as we can. And certainly this podcast will be a source for that. But also, Ben, in the researchers that you that you visit with, will you please let them know that if there's something that they want us to literally print and mail to the farmer, we will do that. That's something important to us with the Florida Peanut Federation, that the information doesn't just stay in some research report. Right. You know, Noah, we want to get that out to the people. Um, but from what I can tell, these guys talk on the phone. Communica <laughs> Communication is important in every industry. Well, that, that sounds that's like exactly right. Here. But to <laughs> see something on a graph oftentimes yeah. makes it more real. Yep. Um, and so we want to be sure, and, and certainly we're going to continue our support of those research programs, but it, it's just incredibly important that we get the information out. So if you're a farmer listening today and you haven't heard anything about new fungicides or or the prescription you know that's recommended uh, be sure and reach out and we'll connect you with those resources if you don't already have the tie-in where's a good where's a good central location for them to find that is at the uh, florida peanut federation website absolutely or benbroughton.com no i'm kidding yeah, right. florida <laughs> peanut federation <laughs> which is federation. what is that what is that url yeah it's just floridapeanutfederation.org um, the office number is 386-362-2077, and we definitely um, will be looking for your communication and be able to share that information. Uh, ben, something else you'd like to add before we wrap up here? I don't think so. I, I think I pretty much covered it well, and as always, please, please reach out to us at the North Florida Research and Ed Education Center. There. In Swanee Valley, I know that probably most of your listeners have seen or heard about us or visit us, but just keep us in mind. We're, we we, we want to be a valuable resource um, and help anybody out in, in any way that we can. Well, Mr. Ben, I appreciate you joining us. Uh, this has been Mr. Ben Broughton, uh, the research coordinator and farm manager at the North Florida Research Facility for UF IFAS Extension uh, in the Swanee Valley. Again, I'm Noah Walker. This is Laura Fowler-Goss from the Florida Peanut Federation. Thank you for joining us. We hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you.